more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. You guys are sort of all over the world, it seems like. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Here on Inspiration Dissemination. But there's actually photographs of this data set stretching over a much longer period of time. They're now converted into basically mathematical shapes, and we can now analyze the statistics of this shape. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. Hello again. You're tuned in to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It is currently, well, a little after 7 p.m., and on a Sunday, that can mean only one thing. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Lisa Hildebrand. And I'm Adrian Gallo. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU or interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out all about the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration where you can find out all about our up-and-coming guests and links to our Twitter and podcast pages. As, as we've kind of alluded to before, if you've been listening live, um, this we're, we're not quite back yet with our regular kind of interviewing a guest. Um, we are kind of getting all of that lined back up again, but Adrian and I are excited to be back in the booth, kind of getting our feet wet again. Um, and yeah, just wanted to tell you all a little about the show. Um and what we do, we'll talk a little about our favorite shows later on from the past. Um, yeah, anything you want to add, Adrian? No, I think that's also, as Lisa mentioned, uh, we are, or if it wasn't clear already, we are both graduate students at Oregon State. And this radio show actually started way back in the eons, the before times in 2012. <laughs> and the uh, the idea was just to uh, for two graduate students interviewing their friends about their science because what they realized is, you know, us graduate students, we are so far in our own research that we oftentimes have friends in, you know, the next office uh, adjacent to us, but we don't actually know what they're doing, even though we hang out with them all the time and, you know, we're <laughs> in the same college or whatever it was. So that was how they started. They just interviewed all their friends on all things forest ecology, uh, wildlife biology, uh, a fair amount of um, of I think uh, insects and in, in, in mycorrhizal stuff was I mean the first fifty episodes are all <laughs> about that because they again they interviewed all of their friends on the show. <laughs> we have since branched out. Um... We have since branched out. Uh, we interview everybody from philosophers to physicists. Uh, we have social scientists. We have civil engineers. We have textile manufacturing folks. We have psychologists we we really run the gamut and uh, we still have ecologists for all you ecologists out there so so fear not <laughs> fear, fear not there are still many ecologies of which uh, are still being learned um one thing just as a as a personal plug i think in 2012 there is a, a new researcher in the college of forestry who is doing this research called uh, trophic cascades mm. uh, it's this idea that uh, trophic levels so like the animal like the uh, the kind of animal kingdom levels of like, you know, the plankton are get eaten by 
Wait, Lisa, you're the you're you're the marine biologist. Yeah, I'm actually currently working on an analysis about trophic cascades. It's basically like when one thing will set off another thing, and so it cascades. Typically, you see them kind of from the bottom up, um, and it will come about like I think the very classic trophic cascade is the loss of sea otters on the west coast, which allowed sea urchins to kind of explode in populations and numbers and they've decimated kelp forests up and down the coast so that's kind of your classic trophic cascade so this one's interesting because it's the opposite it's a top-down trophic cascade oh yeah <laughs> um and wait so when the show started i think this researcher had just uh, come on I, I i believe his name is matt betts I, I could be misattributing that um but anyways he in the very early stages was looking at how the uh, demise and the hunting out of wolves had essentially allowed uh, too many ungulates, mm. uh, you know, species that eat grass, too mm. many ungulates such that they were overgrazing mm -hmm. areas. So then uh, there wasn't enough grass because it was all just eaten like all the way down to the root. Um, and, and then it caused all kinds of, you know, down trophic cascades effects. Yeah. But hey, you know, uh, he, he's shown since 2012. <laughs> that, hey, almost a decade ago. Almost a decade ago. Yeah, that when you start reintroducing wolves, uh, some of this uh, ecology starts rebounding and these ecosystems get a little bit more resilient. They look a little bit more like before European settlement. Uh, so really interesting stuff. But, you know, that's that's some long term research. And, you know, I, yeah. I guess just a sense of scale of how long the show has been going on. And we're literally constantly learning new things as graduate students. That's kind of why we're here at a research institution. So we we are here because we want to advertise the fact that, hey, just because you're going to publish in the Journal of Ecology, there are other avenues that you can advertise your science that, hint, hint, are probably going to get more listeners than the <laughs> Journal of Ecology. <laughs> I mean, and if there's like one of the many things we've maybe learned in this last year and a half, that it's really important for scientists to know how to communicate their research um, and their findings to the wider public and community. Um, you know, just writing it up in a publication, I don't think is is enough or even just, you know, depending on where your where your funding is coming from. But that's a whole philosophical topic that we could probably do an episode on, Adrian. <laughs> I am very much in alignment with you. Uh, just because you publish in an academic journal doesn't mean that that knowledge is actually shared because earlier today, okay, this is another aside. I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to finish writing uh, one of my manuscripts mm -hmm. and my own boss, my mentor, he wrote this chapter for a book and I literally cannot access the chapter of this book mm -hmm. that he wrote. Mm -hmm. But in, in the comments, he's like, hey, cite this book chapter. It like it supports this, you know, paragraph, yada, yada. And it's like, I'd love to cite it. I can't even download it because Oregon State doesn't have access to this book. But you probably could read it if you forked over $150, Adrian. Am I right? It was the ebook was literally $140 to buy. And I was Whoa. like, no, I'm just gonna like email my advisor and be like, send me a PDF, dude. <laughs> anyway, wow, we really sidebarred there. Um as Adrian said, uh since we've kind of been on a long hiatus, we um, there may be many graduate students that don't really know that this exists. Um, but if you think that what you do is um, interesting, even if you don't think what you do is interesting, I think every every grad student what what every grad student's work is interesting. So even if you don't think what you do is interesting, it is. 
So go to our website. Oh, there's I'm snaps. snapping in the background. There's snaps in the All of your research booth. is very interesting. You are just too deep into the weeds to realize how interesting <laughs> it is. I promise you, you, your research is worth coming on the air for. Yes. And so in order to sign up to be a guest, um, be interviewed by myself and Adrian, please go to blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. There you will find blogs that we write um, before um, all of our shows. So a lot of um, shows from um, a year and a half ago. And prior to that, you can also find out more about um, kind of our mission statement, um, current and past hosts. Um, that page is currently very outdated. Um, Adrian and I are, <laughs> are, are, are resurrecting ID um, from the ashes. But more importantly, there is a new guest sign-up link that will take you to a Google form where you just have to enter a few bits of information. And it's that simple. We will get that Google form response to our Google account, and then we will get in touch with you to schedule an interview. Um, it's super fun. I That's how I got started as a host. I was interviewed and loved it so much that I wanted to be on the other side of the booth. So please, um, yeah, go to our website, sign up. Um, we would really love to interview you about your research. We're going to talk next about some of our favorite episodes. And I, I've i been doing this since 2014, 2013, I think. You're, 2014 is what it says on the website. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't just lie on air. <laughs> There are so many that that just come to mind, but there is one in particular with Holly Haran. Uh, she's a medical anthropologist. I I love this story, but but we're gonna wait. We're gonna go for a short thirty second break. When we return, uh, Lisa is also gonna think of her favorite episode, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the impact that that maybe had on us. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in just a short minute. Sounds great. After we said we would go away just for a quick break, we decided to play a song because why not? <laughs> Who doesn't like Jack Johnson? We're, yeah. Plus we're DJs, so we're here to play some music too, I guess. <laughs> this is the power of a DJ booth. You get to play what you want when you want it. Yeah. There are some rules, um, but not many. <laughs> so uh, go to DJ training if you're interested. And even if you, you know, decide it's not for you. What a cool skill. You got to go inside a DJ booth. Um, that being said, um, we said we would talk about some of our favorite shows or our favorite show each. So, uh, Adrian, let's hear it. Tell us about your favorite show as a host. 2018, Holly Haran is, uh, I was help. I was being helped with, um, uh, with Daniel or one of our, our past hosts. And, uh, just as an aside, Shout out Daniel Watkins. Shout out Daniel Watkins. <laughs> um, if you want to read her blog post, we write a blog post for every graduate student that is on air. And at the end of every blog post, we always link to the podcast link. It's on Apple iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. We are also on Twitter, so you can find us at KBVRID. I just tweeted out a link to Holly's blog post. So if you'd like to follow along, you can find it on Twitter at KBVRID. 
Now, this is a... I learned so much speaking to Holly. (laughs) I learned so... Both Daniel and I learned so much. And this is kind of how I feel with most graduate students, but especially with Holly. So as some background... Uh, now, Dr. Holly Horan, uh, she finished her PhD shortly after we interviewed her. Um, she is she describes herself as a critical applied medical anthropologist. There's a lot in there. Uh, if I remember correctly, the critical considers the kind of geopolitical, economic, social factors of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, applied, meaning that the work she does is not just theoretical, but it's actually on the ground, you know, doing things with people. Mm-hmm. Um uh, medical, because she does some medical things that I'll describe, and anthropologist, because she also does a lot of, you know, people things. Wow, that's um, a lot to put on a business card. It is a lot to put <laughs> on a business card, but I, if I, my memory is correct, she's actually now a tenure track professor at, I want to say, University of Mississippi or University of Alabama. Good for um, her. So, that's you know, it, fantastic. Prob- it probably has that on her business card. <laughs> yeah, put it on there. <laughs> Holly Horan is, uh, is Puerto Rican. And she really wanted to help more Puerto Ricans, to put it, you know, plainly. Um, She also knew a lot about uh, midwifery. This was Mm. a brand new word I had learned. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Midwifery is the the practice of essentially giving birth and um, kind of the the practice of caring for a woman before and and after giving birth. Um, And at least in in her context... um, it's pretty obvious that when you're pregnant, you're also stressed. I mean, we're stressed as humans, but when you're pregnant, you're very stressed. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty hard to uh, do a time series analysis. Like, how stressed are you <laughs> through through the pregnancy? Uh, and one way that uh, her lab found a way to do it was with doing with using hair cortisol levels. So you'd pluck hair from your head at you know set time intervals. You know, I, I, if I remember. It was uh, the first trimester, the second trimester, uh, ab- about the time that the w- that the woman gave birth, and then uh, they they came back uh, m- many months after the the woman had had given birth. So that way they can track longitudinally uh, how stress had had changed. Now the critical part comes into Holly's work because you can't look at any community, especially Puerto Rico without looking at the geopolitical context of the last 20 years, of the last 50 years, of the last 100 years mm-hmm. um, of American involvement. So uh, as some background, again, these are things that I learned speaking to Holly, is that birth control was essentially tested and developed on Puerto Rican women way back in the, I believe it was the 1930s. Oh, um, my gosh. It, yeah, this is, this is in, in the blog. Um, where uh, it is very questionable whether or not Puerto Rican women actually gave consent. Um, they technically signed papers, but they were more or less forced to sign these papers saying that we're going to do this medical procedure on you. And surprise, surprise, these papers are in English. These women didn't necessarily speak English. So, mm-hmm. you know, legally, uh, they they consented to this procedure. But practically, did they really consent? It's really un. I mean... I say it's really unclear, but it's like it's not unclear at all. They did not really have the ability to to consent. Um, so at at the time, uh, this is uh, what we commonly know as the pill. Now, colloquially, mm. uh, they had been. It, it was still a brand new drug, so they were giving it to Puerto Rican women in concentrations that are, I think, like sixty times greater than what we use today. Oh my gosh. Again, they were literally using Puerto Rican women as test subjects to like figure out what works. Um, so you know, in order to really understand. Uh, t- 
today, uh, today meaning when we interviewed her in 2018, mm. um, today level medical interventions to try and help um, pregnant women in Puerto Rico that were kind of uh, pushed down from government agencies. You can imagine knowing the history of medical involvement from the federal government of the United States onto Puerto Rican women, the history of that, you can imagine that there are some, you know, some people not really willing or able to, you know, take take what the government is saying seriously. Oh, for sure. Right? Um, so th- that was the critical part of the critical mm. applied medical anthropology. The applied part is because she was literally going there to Puerto Rico to, you know, interview women, see how they were doing. Uh, and while she was there, uh, it just so happened. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, while she was there, Hurricane Maria hit. Oh, Um, This was all preceded, of course, by the government defaulting on or the the, the state government. Well, state is in air quotes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, By the the, the Puerto Rican state government defaulting on like multi-billion dollar loans. Uh, So, you know, you can just imagine the stress of all these individual things on any single person, Mm -hmm. let alone being pregnant while this was happening. Plus Hurricane Maria. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Um, so she, in, in the interview, she describes how, um, you know, they, uh, they eventually just hit out, uh, for a while. They, they, you know, the storm had passed, they were luckily okay. And they like drove around the Island and just realized like, wow, there's no trees anywhere. Mm. They were all just like ripped apart. Mm. Uh, this seems stressful. Yeah. (laughs) Did they continue to get samples post, like during post Hurricane Maria? Uh, yeah. Not during. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so they um, they were evacuated. Mm. Um, they applied for more funding through the NSF and uh, uh, the National Science Foundation. The National Science Foundation is like, whoa, sounds like we really need to we need to like spend more dollars to like keep monitoring, you know, maternal maternal and infant stress levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're gonna make sure that you have you know monies available to go back. Uh, so she was able to finish her research. She was able to uh, to return to the island, and in between. Hurricane Maria and her returning, I believe she also had a child. Wow. <laughs> she was her own test subject. No, I maybe know. not. <laughs> I, I know. I, I feel like I could have uh, I, I could have talked to Holly for so much longer than we actually had. Mm. Um, but through just this one interview, you know, I learned so much about American foreign policy and 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 our involvement in uh, in the state or not state of, of Puerto Rico for the last, you know, 70 years. Wow. Um, the kind of ongoing nature of the of the political situation mm. in Puerto Rico and the kind of very practical effects of what this means for people just trying to live their lives. Yeah. Um, I, I learned a lot from you um, from your synopsis. This was before my time as a host. So I, I, I did not know about this episode. But the but the one thing that I like. um. I guess <laughs> the thing that was most shocking to me that I just learned is I always thought it was pronounced midwifery, not midwifery. Because uh, so, it's a midwife, but huh. So if uh, if you go back and listen to the to the interview, uh, <laughs> Holly does uh, go to a midwifery conference and she pronounces it midwifery. Okay, well, yeah. let's, I'm going to go with the experts, <laughs> with the expert pronunciation. I'm just, I am, I am shook. It's midwifery, not midwifery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the joy of the English language coming from a, a German native, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then also, yeah, going to school in, in the UK and now in America, uh, the United States. I mean, yeah, there's it's it's all over the place. You were just making fun of me for for writing something with a S instead of a Z. Stabilize. Yeah. Advertise. Advertise. She's <laughs> trying to throw me off, I don't know, the scent here. <laughs> yeah, English is very weird. Yeah. 
anyways. <laughs> Adrian, you have inspired me to go uh, listen to that episode. Um, I would encourage all of our listeners right now, if you're curious, to go check us out on Apple Podcasts, um, Inspiration Dissemination. We have a bunch of podcasts on there. Do we have podcasts going back to 2012? We have podcasts going all the way back to 2015, okay. I believe. That's right? a, so we don't have every single episode. It's a lot. Of, um, it's a lot of hours. It'll keep you busy, folks. It so. will keep you busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Adrian, for for sharing your your favorite podcast episode. Um, I think we will have another musical interlude, and then it'll be my turn. Any okay. any any closing words before 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 we jam it out? As a reminder, if you are interested in finding links to any of these uh, blog posts, you can find us either on Twitter at KB, KBVRID. I just tweeted out the link to the blog post. Or once you find our homepage, uh, again, it's blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. We have a search bar. And if you just search Puerto Rico, Holly Haran's name will pop up. That's where you can find it. And we'll see you in just a moment. Enjoy. This is Lonely Boy by the Black Keys. All right, it it is my my turn to reveal um, my favorite show. And I'm going to have to go with um, the first one that I actually did as um, kind of the the lead host or host one. Well, we we sometimes call it DJ one. Um, typically, we have two two hosts that kind of um, interview our guests, and it is pretty balanced. Except that host one or DJ one will be the one to um, write the blog about our about our guests. So it, it is a little more involved the week that you're host one. Anyway, um, <laughs> this this um, was my very first episode as host one. And I think even my like very first episode, maybe as just a host in general. Um, and it was with the lovely Heather um, Masson Forsyth. Forsyth. Oh, man, I knew I was going to bungle it. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, Heather, if you're listening or if you ever listen, listen to this. Um, she will. And she's going to cringe uh, when she hears I that. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but Heather is a um, an, another former host of Inspiration Dissemination. And she just, um, I want to say a week, a week and a half ago, defended her Ph.D. So live on air. Congratulations, Heather. Woo-hoo. Dr. Heather. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Um, and it's actually very um, interesting because I interviewed Heather in September of 2019, um, which is two years ago. And um, since I interviewed her, I think her, her research took a pretty significant turn into a an unexpected different direction. Um, Adrian is probably dying to say that that happens to a lot of PhD students <laughs> because it's happened to him. I'm pointing at myself right now in the booth. <laughs> um, Heather's, um, so Heather um, is in um, or was in the Department of Biochemistry and Biophysics um, and she works, worked, um, gosh, it's weird to put it on the past tense, worked <laughs> with Dr. Uh, Elizar Barbar um, and that lab conducts work in structural biology and biophysics. And specifically, they look at a lot of um, proteins and protein regions that are um, disordered. And so the research that Heather was conducting when I interviewed her was on a protein called crystalline. Um, 
which um, Heather's research kind of proved is um, sort of implicated in causing cataracts, certain regions of that protein. Heather was actually able to identify the regions of that protein that um, are implicated in causing cataracts. And so hopefully, potentially, Heather's um, work and research can be used to kind of come up with um, solutions to prevent and or solve cataracts in a non-surgical way just by identifying these um, protein regions. But um, since then, I mean, after the interview, Heather continued with her, her research, as one does. And then came March 2020. And uh, What on earth was that? Oh, I don't know. The before times? <laughs> it was the time. <laughs> the time. Um, and Heather's research um, went in a very different well not very different she was still working with proteins um and but she started to do work on um COVID-19 and I I I really want to get her into the radio booth before she goes on to do something phenomenal and fantastic as I know she's going to um but I but I I don't know specifically what she did with with COVID-19 research do you no Adrian's also shrugging I, I actually don't but I do know that there were many graduate students that quickly pivoted their their research right because the um the methods that we can use you know for some very specific protein at least in heather's case you know it was it was a protein in the eye that you know can help us see clearly um the the methods that we use are very broadly applicable so mm. uh there were many graduate students across university that you know either in an easy way just gave up all their ppe from their research labs you know just like giving away mm. uh, gloves and whatnot for uh, for hospitals but in, in in other ways you know other graduate students were like hey i can use the the research i know how to do and try and figure out like how how the protein structure on the outside of this viral envelope can attach or not attach to like figure out you know better therapeutics mm -hmm. and a lot of graduate students quickly pivoted uh to try and do so as i think pretty much all scientists around the world were like oh boy we gotta we gotta figure this out yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, I, I will say, Adrian, full disclosure, I, I'm an ecologist. That is my that is my um, <laughs> my happy place, my safe zone. So definitely interviewing um, Heather, who works in structural biology and biophysics, was very much outside of my comfort zone. And I, I feel a little shameful now. I do not think I'm doing her research justice. Um and um, and just because my my ecological brain doesn't doesn't retain those those kinds of words and concepts. <laughs> so to do some justice to Heather, I'm going to inform you all of some interesting facts that I mm. learned from, from Heather's episode. Yeah. First of all, your eye lenses host one of the highest concentrated proteins in your entire body. Did you know that? I did not. Um, also, your eye completely forms before birth. I mean, that is probably known. Um, but I, um, I wrote it here in the blog, so... Apparently at the time, I thought that was quite fascinating. <laughs> um, <laughs> and additionally, I, I will just say that um, a lot of you might be thinking, well, okay, so this protein that Heather researched, okay, it, it's implicated in causing cataracts. Yeah, I hear cataracts all the time. My grandparents have it. My parents get it. What does that matter? Um, and it's true. I mean, we kind of understand cataracts sufficiently well. And while the surgery to fix um, cataracts is pretty straightforward and not very invasive, it isn't easily accessible or affordable to a lot of people all over the world. 
and cataracts is attributed to causing about 50% of blindness in the world. And that's likely due to the fact that not everyone is able to take advantage of that pretty simple surgery to fix it. Um, which is why um, kind of Heather's research into trying to understand the molecular atomic basis of how cataracts happens could kind of result in those more accessible treatments for it worldwide. And an example that Heather gave to me in that episode would be, you know, kind of say a type of eye drop that could be developed that could help, you know, a particular region of the of the region of the protein that is kind of unfolding and causing the issues that then lead to cataracts, you know, potentially helping it not unfold so that cataracts doesn't occur. For the non-biochemists out there, uh, uh, for proteins, structure informs function. So when a protein begins to unfold or change shape, that also changes the function. So in, in this case, as you get older, the shape of um, a, the shape of some of these proteins in your eye begin to degrade a little bit. Uh, and that is what causes the kind of cloudiness or fogginess in your vision. So the idea being that getting surgery is kind of hard because, well, you got to get surgery. You got to have a medical establishment there. Mm. Eye drops, mm, that's much easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So by understanding what's happening at the molecular level, could you develop some eye drop to, you know, hopefully minimize that kind of disordered nature of the, of the protein? That would be great because that's, I mean, to just not be being able to see or to be, you know, for it to be very, very cloudy. That's, that seems not great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and um, some other things about Heather, besides kind of <laughs> conducting this cutting edge structural biology research, she is considered a TikTok influencer. Is it just TikTok or is she just an influencer? How does it work? I'm definitely not one, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. Are you an influ influencer on a specific platform or once you reach that status, you just are one? I think you have to be an influencer on a, on a, on specific, a specific platform. Pla yeah. yeah. Well, um, that's my two cents. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy to be wrong. I'll take your word for it. Um, you're a smart guy. Um, yeah, Heather has a, um, I mean, she has an excellent Twitter, very informative, and her TikTok. I think they're both Hey Curly Top. At they are. Hey Curly Top. Um, she does some incredible, really incredible dance TikTok science videos, which I encourage you all to go check out. And... Speaking of dance, Heather um, entered into a, is it the dance your PhD research competition? Adrian is nodding enthusiastically, which means that I got that right. She entered into the dance your PhD research competition, which is an international competition. I didn't know it was international. I think so, because the, the, the first place people were two were two French PhD students doing some research or other i <laughs> that's um, impressive full, full disclosure i don't know all the contestants but heather <laughs> heather came second overall and first in the like bioscience category is that right let's see adrian scrolling to to fact check me here i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be perpetuating fake news that would be okay it took great. two months i so it took two months of prep i remember when heather was uh was asking us for music that she, that she could use that was royalty free we, we pointed her in some directions um but that was yeah a lot of time and effort went went into that i'm trying to find out da, 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 da. yeah i mean in in heather's i mean she went to she's dancing on the beach she's dancing on on like abandoned train tracks i mean it, it it's a really incredible video um 
if we if we can't fact check it right now, I I would. Oh, okay, so Heather was the COVID nineteen category winner. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and there were one, two, three. There were four over. Sorry, five overall categories. Okay, uh, and she was one of the winners of uh, the okay. COVID nineteen category. Yeah. And then I, I thought I had something in my mind that she came like second overall, but maybe she was just, I, I knew she was like interviewed as, as a result, like on talk shows or whatnot, as like a winner of a category. Um, and uh, just, so just like um, Adrian's favorite episode, there is also a blog about Heather. It's called Proteins Run the Show, Except When They Unfold and Cause Cataracts. So that is on our website, blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. Um, and just as I was scrolling through this blog to kind of try and uh, refresh myself on the details and nitty gritty of um, Heather's research, um, I came across this um, quote, which I thought was really inspirational, which um, Heather, it was advice that Heather received from her undergraduate advisor who told her not to go anywhere where you wouldn't want to live. You will learn to love research, whatever it ends up being. But if you live in an environment that you don't find fulfilling, then you are going to suffocate. And Heather said uh, to me in that interview that it's following that advice that has led Heather to where she is now, now being 2019, but I assume she would still say it's led her to where she is now in 2021. Um, and that was the senior in her lab where she becomes a mentor to undergraduates. And I think she really has um, been a force of nature in her lab and really inspirational to a lot of her undergraduate mentees. And we're really going to miss her on the show as a co-host. We will miss her on the show, as we will miss all ex-co-hosts, previous co-hosts. Yes. You know, they, they do get to fly away and uh, do something else other than be a graduate student forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Adrian. <laughs> Ten more years. Ten more years. Oh, no. They'll make you redo your exams. You they, they, they will, actually. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things that we do to end every show mm. is that we always ask uh, guests to uh, give some advice. So, you know, it sounds like you already gave some advice uh, from from Heather's point of view. I think that's really good advice mm. uh, for other graduate students or undergraduates, really, who want to get into research, whatever it may be. The other uh, piece that we always ask each student, each interviewee on the outro is their favorite song mm -hmm. i'm gonna put you on the spot lisa me on the spot i'm gonna put you on the spot because you know you have a playlist of your oldie but goodies so I i'm gonna ask you to pick one song from your oldie but goodies playlist here well adrian i had already ordered my playlist to have the favorite oldie but goodie as the final song so you're not putting me on the spot at Perfect. all as always i am prepared um do you want to know what it is or do you want to be surprised I want to be surprised, but before I'm surprised, I just want to reiterate that uh, for any graduate students that would like to come on the show, you can find us uh, at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. At the very top, there is a, um, a link to sign up. It says, you know, sign up here. Uh, fill out that short form and we will, that will get you on the schedule so we, we can contact you and interview. Uh, the way it works is we interview you before the actual on-air show right we don't go in completely cold no nope. <laughs> uh, that also gives us time to write a short blog post we send that to you you give us the thumbs up and uh yeah and then we come into the booth if you're uncomfortable coming into the booth we can also record remotely mm -hmm. um so that option is always available so again that website is blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration and you can also find us on twitter at kbbrid the link is also available in our uh description 
All right. And with that, we have reached the end of our of our show. We'll be back next week. Same time. See you then. Have a great rest of your Sunday evening and enjoy our final song. Regrets collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no eye, I can see no eye And all of the ghouls come out to play Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, Tell your friends about it. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KBVRID. The theme music was performed by the OSU Drumline and the intro jingle was created by Olin Hanam. Special thanks to the supporting staff at KBVR that allowed this show and podcast to be possible. This show was started by Gian Kamvar and Joey Hulbert in 2012. To learn more about our current hosts, other graduate students at Oregon State, or if you want to be a part of the show, visit our website at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. Inspiration Dissemination is recorded live, and any opinions expressed on the show are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent Oregon State University or this station. Thanks again for listening, and stay curious, my friends. <laughs>